Let us pray. May the words of my mouth, the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. For you, O Lord, are our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Some of you may know that before I was called to be rector of Holy Trinity, my family and I spent eight years in Houston, Texas, which means that we were well prepared for West Palm summers. You know, at least there's a breeze here. Uh, one of the other things that South Florida and South Texas have in common, besides the heat and humidity, is storms, large storms. When we were in Houston, we lived in a part of the city that was particularly susceptible to flooding. And so we knew people whose homes uh, flooded in the so-called tax day flood of 2015, which dumped a foot of rain in nine hours. And after their homes flooded, they rebuilt. And then a year later, their homes flooded again in the Memorial Day flood of 2016, when it rained two feet in 24 hours. And after that, they rebuilt. And then in 2017, Hurricane Harvey dumped five feet of rain, 60 inches of rain in three days. And those same houses flooded for the third time in three years. And I remember about a week after Harvey, when the sun finally came back out, my wife took our youngest son, who was then not yet one year old, to our community pool while the big boys and I were mucking out houses. I have to say my teenagers got very good at wielding pickaxes and tearing up carpet and cutting out drywall. But when my wife and our not yet one year old Marshall were at the pool, another young mother came up to her and asked to borrow some sunscreen for her baby. I'm so sorry, she said, but our house flooded and we lost everything. She didn't even have sunscreen. And at that moment, uh, she and my wife both burst into tears. In today's gospel reading, the disciples find themselves in the midst of what Mark calls a great windstorm. They're in a boat at night. Remember, no electricity, no light. That must have been terrifying. They're on the Sea of Galilee, and suddenly, almost without warning, their lives are in danger. Truth be told, really all of our readings speak to storms of one kind or another this morning. In 1 Samuel, Israel is in crisis. Their very existence is threatened by Goliath and the Philistines. The psalm today is a psalm of lament, where the psalmist is asking God, have pity on me, deliver me from my affliction, from my trouble. In his second letter to the Corinthians, Paul describes all the hardships, the storms he has faced for the sake of his ministry. He lists them, afflictions, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger. Storms abound in today's readings as they abound throughout the Bible. And so I wonder, what are the storms in your life today? I have a friend who once said to me, 
we're all either in trouble, coming out of trouble, or heading into trouble. And so what trouble do you or someone you love find yourself in this morning? You know, the death of George Floyd was a little more than a year ago. And I heard an interview recently with one of his relatives who took it upon herself to maintain the spontaneous memorial that sprung up on that street corner in Minneapolis where he was killed. She felt called to just be there day in, day out, picking up trash, watering flowers, talking to people. She said the amazing thing about that space was the room it created for mourning for grief, for troubles of all kind. There was a man who came by one day, she said. He was white, he was in his 60s or 70s, and she could tell that he was troubled. They got to talking and it turned out that his wife had passed away a few months before, and that right at that moment, his son was in surgery at a local hospital. This man was out taking a walk, trying to stay calm to clear his mind, but he was sad and scared. Of course, he said to her, what I'm going through is nothing compared to what you've experienced. To which she replied, no, don't do that. Don't compare. We all have our own grief, our own mourning, our own suffering. The degree doesn't matter. And she said to him, this space is big enough to hold your pain. At that point, she said he, he broke down and wept. And so I ask you again, what troubles do you find yourself carrying today? What storms do you find yourself in? Perhaps it's a relational storm. Perhaps there's a spouse or child or parent with whom you just can't seem to get along. Perhaps you're in a storm of illness, a diagnosis that you or someone you love is battling through. Maybe there's a storm raging inside of you, in your heart and mind. You know, this has been such a difficult year. Perhaps you found yourself lonely or anxious or depressed. Perhaps you've turned to unhealthy coping mechanisms which seem to keep the winds and the waves at bay just for a moment, but actually only numb you to their reality. Maybe you're living through the storm of old age. Your body or mind is betraying you. It, it doesn't work the way it used to, and you're angry or discouraged or maybe a little bit of both. Maybe it's a financial storm. You're just not sure how you're gonna make ends meet, how you're going to fulfill your responsibilities. Or maybe it's a storm of sin, behaviors, actions that you know are wrong and harmful to yourself and others, but you just keep committing them over and over again, kind of like those recurring floods in Houston. You know, I think that when we find ourselves in the midst of a storm, we're very much like those disciples in the boat. Two things happen. We get scared, 
and we think it's up to us to get ourselves out. We strain at the oars as they did. We battle the wind and waves, thinking that we can overcome them on our own. Either that or we just deny that we're in a storm at all. We minimize it as that man in Minneapolis did. You know, at least my problems aren't as bad as someone else's. We think that if we just ignore the storm, ignore the pain, maybe it will all just go away. I want to read you a piece that was written recently by someone in the middle of a storm. It's a bit lengthy, but I think it's, it's worth it. Here's what she writes. I have had cancer three times now, and I have barely passed 30. There are times when I wonder what I must have done to deserve such a story. I fear sometimes that when I die and meet with God, that he will say I disappointed him, or offended him, or failed him. Maybe he'll say I just never learned the lesson, or that I wasn't grateful enough. But one thing I know for sure is this, he can never say that he did not know me. I am God's downstairs neighbor banging on the ceiling with a broomstick. I show up at his door every day, sometimes with songs, sometimes with curses, sometimes apologies, gifts, questions, demands. Sometimes I use my key under the mat to let myself in. Other times I sulk outside until he opens the door to me himself. I've called him a cheat and a liar, and I meant it. I've told him I wanted to die, and I meant it. Tears have become the only prayer I know. Prayers roll over my nostrils and drip down my forearms. They fall to the ground as I reach for him. These are the prayers I repeat night and day, sunrise, sunset. Call me bitter if you want to, that's fair. Count me among the angry, the cynical, the offended, the hardened, but count me also among the friends of God. For I have seen him in rare form. I have felt his exhale, laid in his shadow, squinted to read the message he wrote for me in the grout. I'm sad too. If an explanation would help, he would write me one, I know it. But maybe an explanation would only start an argument between us. And I don't want to argue with God. I want to lay in a hammock with him. I remind myself that I'm praying to the God who let the Israelites stay lost for decades. They begged to arrive in the promised land, but instead he let them wander, answering prayers they didn't pray. For 40 years, their shoes didn't wear out. Fire lit their path each night. Every morning, he sent them mercy bread from heaven. I look hard for the answers to the prayers that I didn't pray. I look for the mercy bread that he promised to bake fresh for me each morning. The Israelites called it manna, which means, what is it? That's the same question I'm asking again and again. There's mercy here somewhere, but what is it? What is it? I see mercy in the dusty sunlight that outlines the trees, in my mother's crooked hands, in the blanket my friend left for me, in the harmony of the wind chimes. It's not the mercy that I asked for, but it is mercy nonetheless.
and I learn a new prayer, thank you. It's a prayer I don't mean yet, but will repeat until I do. Call me cursed, call me lost, call me scorned, but that's not all. Call me chosen, blessed, sought after. Call me the one who God whispers his secrets to. I am the one whose belly is filled with loaves of mercy that were hidden for me. Even on days when I'm not so sick, sometimes I go lay on the mat in the afternoon light to listen for him. I know it sounds crazy and I can't really explain it, but God is in there even now. I've heard it said that some people can't see God because they won't look low enough. And it's true. Look lower. God is on the bathroom floor. I think the message of this piece and the message of today's gospel are the same. If you want to find God, if you want to find Jesus, look lower, look down. God is on the bathroom floor. He is in the storm. Jesus is in the boat with us. Someone said to me recently, you know, RJ, the one question that no priest could ever answer for me is, why do bad things happen to good people? Why do the innocent suffer? And I said to this person, I have no answer to that question. But what I do know is that if you talk to people who have suffered, who are suffering, God shows up. He is there. There in the storm, in the illness, in the suffering, there in the boat, there on the bathroom floor. He doesn't always give answers, but he does promise presence. A few months ago, I got a phone call from an unfamiliar Houston number. When I listened to the voicemail a couple hours later, um, it was that same woman from the pool whose name I can't remember who I had not thought about in years and years. And she called during the, the latest Texas climate crisis, the freeze. Remember that? When no one had water and everything was frozen and no one had food. And our son was in Texas. It was a really fun time for my wife. Um, and she said, hey, RJ, I'm just calling to say um, that we made it through that flood. God was with us. And if you ever need anything, if I can ever help you with anything, please just let me know. I hadn't talked to her in over three years, and I don't know the details of her story. What I know is that God showed up, that God shows up. And when he does, he brings peace and stillness and calm regardless of the storms that may rage around us. Amen.